Welcome to the CX AI and Outsourcing Podcast, a show about the people, technology, and economics that are shaping the customer support industry. My name is John Walter, and today we have a conversation with Shafiq Abdullawi. He's the workforce planning lead at Autodesk. A lot of his work relates to outbound calls, which makes this conversation interesting to me because usually I'm having conversations with people handling large-scale inbound calls. So without any further ado, let's get started. Shafiq, thank you so much for taking the time to talk today. We've been friends now for, I don't even know how long. I mean, we've been talking for a few months, at least maybe up to a year, uh, just about what's happening in the industry and interacting on LinkedIn. And you put out very insightful content on LinkedIn. And this is really cool because we get to have a conversation about, about what you do in the customer support world, but I also just want to take some opportunities to do a deeper dive and allow you to elaborate on some thoughts that you've shared through LinkedIn and just have a, an in-detailed conversation. Real quick, can you provide some background on your current role and kind of how you got to that role? Yeah, my name is Shafiq. I'm currently leading the workforce and quality management functions at Autodesk for the sales department. So we're building the workforce management processes, function team, as well as the quality management team and processes. It's all new. We just started building this about a year ago when I was hired into this role. Prior to this, I come from a contact center environment, say for at least a solid 10 years. Started as a rep at the Coca-Cola contact center, taking calls, chats, emails, cases, even faxes and mail for the HR services function. After that, I moved into a workforce role. After that, I moved into a contact center technology role. Then I moved back into workforce two or three years ago, and now I'm building the workforce and quality management functions for Autodesk sales. So right now, most of your current responsibilities focus on outbound sales. Is that correct? And inbound. So both inbound and outbound, correct. We have a blended team that takes multiple channels inbound and also reaches out to our customers through multiple channels. And when you were working as a rep, were you doing mostly sales type work? It was the HR services department. So it was mostly inbound Coca-Cola employees across the United States and Canada calling with HR inquiries, whether it was question about benefits, payroll, could have been an employee relations or even a labor relation issue when it came to the unions across the multiple Coca-Cola facilities that we had. It was anything and everything HR related that would come to that contact center where I was an agent. Well, I appreciate, you know, being able to dive into this, the variety of experiences that you've had and how it's informed your current opinions and how you go about your daily business. And in particular, so the first LinkedIn post of yours, I want us to like take a look at, I think it has been informed from your various experiences. And one of them, all right, it says, I have experienced two types of technology stacks in contact center environments. The first is integrated big box solutions, which have most things under one roof, telephony, workforce management, quality management, customer satisfaction surveys, etc. And second, technology stack of many different independent solutions integrated through customizations, duct tape, and prayers. Number two is poop. (laughs) I love that post. And can you help explain? So obviously you're a big fan of the first option, which is integrated big box solutions. Is that referring to CCAS providers and the technology stacks that they provide? What are you referring to exactly? So when I, when I say big box, I'm referring mainly to the CCAS providers who provide other modules within their solution, who do provide workforce management, quality management, 
customer satisfaction surveys, reporting capabilities, and most of the stuff that a contact center would generally need. So integration with the CRM uh, tool or even a CRM solution within the CCAS. So I know CCAS today kind of is broad and refers to a lot of things that there's a lot of companies out there saying that they're a CCAS solution provider, but not all of them provide the variety of tools that the contact center operations tend to need. So there's a few out there who do, and those that I've used with those multiple solutions and modules tend to be easier and tend to allow smoother operations within contact centers. Yeah, that's good. And anyone listening, I specifically, um, I'm starting to tell all my guests to not specifically reference the technology that they use in the ordinary course of business. And that's, um, I know that might be frustrating to some just for a variety of reasons. But like, I've heard, I've got some friends who I've talked with that will use a big CCAS player and they are frustrated with the functionality or lack of flexibility when it comes to their current CCAS provider. So do you personally advocate pulling in a few tools here and there to fill in the gaps? Or do you typically say, hey, it's not worth the hassle to try to patchwork something together? If you have the great privilege and are lucky enough to restart Greenfield, or if your leadership is pushing for you to re-audit all of your solutions and kind of go towards something better for your business, then yes, I would definitely advocate when you're looking at all the solutions out there, so you kind of find a replacement of what you have, look for something that has most of the modules, parts of the solution, a big CCAS player. However, I do know most of us are not into those shoes where we have the chance or the privilege to start Greenfield and we have to work with whatever we have now and see what's the best way forward. So it really depends where you are, but if you are in room one, I would definitely say try to get a big box solution, even though not all of the modules will be perfect, but at least you won't have to worry about all the integrations, all the stacking, all the issues that come with data discrepancies, all the issues that come from your managers, your reps, your workforce to management uh, resources, your quality management resources, your training team, all the people involved in your contact center saying they have to open multiple tools. If you can get them one tool that has everything under it, great. For the rest of us that are not starting Greenfield, that don't have that privilege to change everything we have at once, you got to kind of balance, do a balancing act of, okay, what can I combine out of the tools that I currently have and try to slowly move away from having five, 10 different tools stacked on top of each other. And in the sales context, have you found that you may need more customization when it comes to tools? Are you at least more tempted to seek outside tools than, than in other roles? Or do you feel like the sale, the outbound sales in particular, that is pretty well covered? I think the complexity is similar for both support and sales and even within sales, inbound, outbound. The additional thing that gets added for sales is the dialer. If you're doing outbound campaigns and then with the dialer comes the complexity of what types of outbound calls you're making. Are they predictive? Are they automated? Uh, are they power mode? Are they in preview mode? And then for everything else, the complexity is similar because the very first level of integration happens with the CRM tool that the company is using. So in a sales environment, people are working with leads, with opportunities with contact in a support environment. People are working with cases generally and accounts and the telephony system will need to be connected to that CRM so the data feeds back and forth where if you want to make a call from your CRM directly, you're clicking and it's making an outbound call. If you're receiving an inbound call, the CRM is already capturing the information of the caller or the person chatting or whatever, who they are, their zip code, their email, whatever options they selected in the IVR. If they chat with a bot, what was the conversation? 
all that stuff requires integration with the CRM. And then to add to that, whether it's sales or support, if there's a workforce management function, ideally that tool needs to be integrated with the telephony system and with the CRM if there's work items processed through the CRM. And quality management, same thing. If they're evaluating calls, evaluating chats, evaluating how cases are processed, that tool, ideally, if it's within the same sphere of telephony, CRM, and the overall big box cast solution, is always better than if it's totally separate and has to have integration with all of those tools. But it's complex. Contact centers are complex environments. And I totally understand why there isn't one giant big box that does everything well for everyone, because it's just a very complex environment. And then you got all these vendors kind of focusing on their niche and what they feel their expertise is. There's a tendency of the big boxes just to acquire leading players and then just add them to the portfolio. That's that's definitely something that you see happening. And what are your general thoughts on just AI in the contact center space, in particular when it comes to outbound sales? That's a very, very interesting topic because you see some demos flying around. I don't think they're real. I think they're just kind of like generated in a sound room. But you're starting to hear I've received cold calls from bots recently because I sign up on these platforms for demos and I'm like, hey, I'm not too interested. And then like actually earlier today, this bot called me back. It's so weird because he tries to be casual. He's like, hey, John, I'm calling because you recently, and I'm just like, hang up. You know, sometimes if a human's calling you outbound sales, you have like at least like a decency, but hey, man, at least I personally, I'm like, hey, I appreciate what you're doing. You got a hard job. Keep it up. I'm not the best use of your time. And they're like, okay, thank you. (laughs) But a bot, man, they don't get a second of my day. There's a lot to watch in this market. There's really a lot to watch. There's a million vendors now coming up with it. The concept is not new. And the approach has been around for, I would say, at least a decade. Making an outbound call and having a machine start the conversation. And if the machine identifies one, there's a human that answered the call. And two, that human said some kind of positive word, as in like, yes, or thank you, or yeah, I would like to hear something about that. Anything positive, then automatically transfer to the human. That's been done even without AI, with Regular automated dialers, they call, capture info, and connect to the rep. The AI piece adds the whole large language model where it can have a little longer conversation with the person. But at the end, it's still a robot speaking with you, whether it's rule-based, based on an automated dialer, or now a little more AI-infused within that dialer uh, outbound call. I'm on the wait and see side on this. I want to see how the market's going to react. I want to see how humans will interact with these bots and how far they're allowing the bot interaction before they're like, okay, I'm done speaking with the robot right now. Can you please connect me to a rep? Just like in traditional metrics today in contact centers, there's this thing called patient seconds, which is when you call and you're waiting in a queue, how long on average will the customers wait before they abandon? I think now that we have bots interacting with people, this is one of the metrics we would want to keep track of and monitor how long will humans interact with a bot, whether it's a chat bot or a voice bot, before they're like, I'm done speaking with a bot, I want to speak with a human. There's many things that will go into this. One, the technology itself. Two, the expectations that are set, how that bot is configured to interact with humans before it connects them to an agent. Last week, I went to a conference called Contact.io, and there were a whole bunch of vendors in this field. One of them gave a good presentation where they said it's all about setting proper expectation. One, from an ethics standpoint, the bot has to introduce themselves as not human, as a robot, virtual assistant, whatever they want to introduce themselves at. I think that's going to become eventually a law when this thing is so big, the governments are going to get involved and like, you know what? 
If you're calling with bots, you are required to identify yourself so consumers and the general population knows. Two, setting proper expectation in terms of if you're a bot and you're starting an interaction with a human, whether it's the human that called in or you're the one reaching out to the customer, you need to set a proper expectation as in like, I'm a bot, I'm going to ask you no more than three questions, then I will connect you to an agent. So then people kind of understand, okay, this is the extent of my interaction with the bot and I'm more likely to be patient and accept it rather than a bot holding me into a conversation almost as if I'm a hostage and I don't know if I'll be able to speak with a human. So there's a lot of wait and see, and there's a lot of things that will change. But yes, they will definitely provide value and help from both the sales and a support perspective, both inbound and outbound. Definitely needs to be regulated when it comes to, I know a lot of people out there talk about, hey, you know, should we regulate the development of AI at large because it's going to get a mind of its own and destroy humanity? I'm not concerned about that personally. Maybe I'm just ignorant, but it just doesn't seem too, too problematic or realistic of a threat. But what is extremely realistic is the use of these bots for outbound sales in a context where they have more information about the customer than the customer is aware of, right? So imagine like the moment that the phone number is introduced to the system, the social media profile, the personality, everything about that customer is already fed into the system. The zip code is going to influence the accent that the bot has, and they're just going to be masters of persuasion. And I, I really think they're just going to master human persuasion, just like they've mastered other complex strategic games like chess and Go. And I actually saw a, a post recently. It's interesting because the question is, is this recording of a human or a bot? And I'm not 100% positive. And I actually have a, a an interview coming up with the CEO of this company, and I'm going to ask him, was that a human or a bot? Because I suspect by the context, it was a bot. But in the conversation, it wasn't really a customer. Customer. It's, a, it's a company that helps medical offices use a bot to call insurance companies to validate and confirm information for their patients, like what's covered and what's not. And the human on the other side of the line asked, is this a recording or is this live? And I think it's a bot. And I, the bot said, no, I'm not a recording. But what's interesting is technically the bot was correct because, you know, if they're using like generative AI, these responses are being generated in live in a live context. And so it's not technically a recording, but at the same time, potentially skirting around the issue of, you know, I think the real question the human was asking is like, are you a human? But that's really, 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 really interesting. That's something to, to walk, watch very closely. When you start interacting with someone, you want to know, even when you call customer service, people introduce themselves. Hi, my name is Jenny or whatever. So if you're interacting with someone, it's your basic right to know who you're interacting with. This situation they asked, are you recording? Well, yeah, it wasn't really the right question to ask. The right question is, are you a human or am I speaking with a human? And I think that's going to become more and more pervasive because not every company is going to be good at having these chat and voice bots with interacting with humans. Some of them are going to be effective. And it goes back to, do you already have an effective process within your organization that you were able to automate and link to the chat bot or the voice bot? If in the back end, you don't have a great process and a great automation and great data and information, there's only so much that your chatbot or voice bot will be able to achieve without requiring the involvement of a, of a human representative from your company. So I think as people get used to these chatbots and voice bots, they'll start getting opinions on, you know what, Southwest has a great one because I interacted with it and it helped me or Bank of America or whatever. This other company, I tried for two or three minutes and I lost trust in it and I just want to speak with the rep. 
And there's also people's characters and people's personalities. Some people, generally, the more senior folks, they'll be like, eh, I don't want to interact with a, with a machine. I want a human from the very beginning. Other people may be a little more patient and may interact with bots longer before they decide, okay, this was successful or no, I need a human representative. A thought that I've been having recently is, with this technology being so powerful at solving people's problems and being able to find answers and uh, use reasoning and logic, is a cold call the best use of this technology? And I'm just looking at it from a very just pragmatic perspective. And I'm grateful to have this conversation because I don't talk to many people. I don't have a ton of friends in the outbound sales world. We do a ton of inbound work. And so I always cherish an opportunity to talk about outbound sales because it's so interesting. Just thinking about every time I get an outbound, whenever someone cold calls me, it is 99% of the time unappreciated. (laughs) But there is that 1% of time where it's like, hey, you know, I do want to work with this brand. I'm busy. Um, They called me last week. I was with my kids. I didn't answer it. They called me last night. Yesterday, I was on a business meeting. I didn't answer it. And part of me, I hope they call me again. I'm glad that they're being persistent because I do want to talk to them, but I'm busy. I'm just wondering if generative AI and the ability for a a person, like let's say if you're a business leader that wants to choose a technology, for example, don't you just kind of wish you could just ask chat GPT, here's my problem. I don't want to talk to a consultant. I don't want to browse websites. I don't want to talk to a salesperson. Like there should be some platform for all of these companies to make all of their data accessible to some kind of database that has a large language model interface where just the, you can quickly determine what the best solution is. Like in our context, we help companies choose human agent outsource vendors. And also we also are starting to help with like AI technology and vendors. And I've actually like contemplated, maybe I want to build my own large language model, take all of the information that we have as an organization about contact center outsourcing, maybe even finding a way to like integrate with the current vendors we partner with and understand their current capacity, what their current attrition rates are across all their lines of business, what their CSAT score is across lines of business and different geographies and just allow people to search and interact with it. I don't know. I think it's definitely got big opportunity in outbound sales. A lot of companies ruin it for everyone. So all those companies that are harassing customers about Medicare, ACA, outbound calls to people trying to get them to buy health insurance, people trying to sell to you the solar panels, people trying to sell to you new lawn mowing service, or people trying to buy your house. All those people are making those unwelcome calls that you're mentioning, John, and those calls, whether it's a human calling you or a machine, is still an unwelcome call. Those other companies who are in the smaller proportion because they have less volume than all these unwelcome calls, but they still need to make outbound calls. The Coca-Colas of the world, the Autodesk of the world, the people that we're reaching out to, it's not like they're not expecting us to reach out to them. We're familiar to them. We have a legit business reason to be reaching out to them. For those people, one, they're more likely to accept our outbound calls from humans, but they also, I believe, would be more likely to accept calls from a voice bot if, of course, like I mentioned earlier, that voice bot sets clear expectation, introduces themselves as to which company they're representing and the fact that they're a bot, and two, tells them very quickly, this is the reason I'm calling you and I'm going to ask you no more than three questions before I connect you to a human if you are available to speak with us. These companies that do have legit business reasons to reach out to people who are familiar with them, I think can get a lot of value 
out of leverage and things like this, which would free up the time of their reps from listening to those rings, from leaving voicemails, from dialing throughout the day, they can actually just connect whenever the customer is available to connect with them and allow the bots to initiate these outbound calls. But for all those other companies, unfortunately, they ruin it for everyone. Because when we are getting those calls, we're like, okay, so another solar panel, or they want to get another launch service here at my house, or they want to buy my house. Because of that, we all have our defenses. It's like, okay, so who's this calling me? That is such a good point, Shafiq. When it comes to the distinction between welcome and unwelcome calls, and then Perhaps using this technology as a way to make the welcomed calls more pleasant. I'm curious because you're in the sales business. I'm just positive that you get bombarded with uh, sales pitches all the time in the, in the form of like emails and LinkedIn messages and things of that nature. Do you get cold calls from call center technology vendors or do they, take, or do they typically focus on uh, email and LinkedIn? I get some, I think within my role, because it's not senior enough, they probably skip me and try to go above. But I do get some that reach out and it even includes companies that we're already working with that want to expand their services to us and their solutions. And it also includes some that just want to get in. I think a lot of them are interesting. A lot of them are in the right line of business, obviously, because it's growing and you can see like based on the posts they have on LinkedIn, they're getting some companies using their services and I definitely research them and see if they provide value to what we do. But yes, there's a lot of companies out there trying to hop on the whole AI LLM thing. And personally, I try to kind of better understand, okay, at what stage in your product uh, cycle are you? And are you just focusing on this tiny piece that we got to go buy? your solution, but then we're going to integrate it with everything else we have? Or do I wait for one of the big box ones that we have to buy you or to build their own? And then we start using that. Or do we even do it internally? The whole LLM thing that a lot of these solutions have, the premise of it is pretty basic. You're pulling the data, putting it somewhere, data that is can be used by a chat GPT. And then you're prompting chat GPT on that data based on multiple conditions. And then that information you're getting back, you're displaying it in a beautiful format for the client. So they're like, oh my God, this is great. So if it's just that, that your company is providing, I don't feel your solution is going to go far and eventually you're not going to survive this market. If you're providing more than that, as in like agent live assist or some insights that are actionable that can be used by the reps, by the managers, by the workforce team, by the quality team, by the trainers, by the reporting team, by all these people in the contact center environment, then yes, there's value there that I see, okay, this company is going to make it. But because there's so many out there, it's kind of hard today to really give legitimacy to a lot of them because a lot of them are jumping on the whole AI train. Yes. It's a lot of noise out there. Something that's interesting that I, I've not seen so far any enterprise companies using generative AI output, like for, in a chatbot type context, which is very interesting. Because I think when this big wave was picking up, everyone's like, oh my goodness, this thing is just going to, that's a perfect use case for it is just to respond in a chat. I just haven't seen that in the, in the, among large enterprises. It's, they're too afraid of it. You'll be surprised, man. So here's something that OpenAI launched that I think is going to kill a lot of businesses, especially these smaller businesses that jumped on the AI train. 
the enterprise API chat GPT that they started selling a few months ago. A lot of companies are getting it. And now these companies are telling their employees, developers, their managers, go ahead and leverage this and you don't have to worry about what you're entering there going on the internet. It's all ours in our environment. What that's going to allow these companies to do is to build these internal processes and solutions where they link it to their chatbot, where they link it to their knowledge base, where they link it to their reporting, where they link it to so many things where you don't need to go buy a solution to do it. You just need a couple technical resources within your organization, especially if you're a big company, if you're a Coca-Cola or an Autodesk or whatever, you just need a few resources to help you with that. And then you can build stuff where you're like, I'm not going to go pay $10, $20 per agent or go pay 50 cents per call or five cents per minute just to get this service that I can go build and I have it internally. Yeah, great point. Yeah, that's an interesting development the release of the enterprise option for by OpenAI. What I am seeing a lot of is companies pulling from internal databases or pre-approved written content. Where I'm seeing people put the brakes is having the large language model actually generate a brand new sentence <laughs> that, is, that, that has not been previously viewed by a human and then putting it out to public consumption. Some people are doing it, but I think when it comes to like the very large brands, they're just being hesitant. It's very risky. It's very wait and see because the technology has brought tremendous leaps forward when it comes to allowing a customer to interact with a machine, which is able to understand the general context of what's being said and is able to pull from a pre-approved database hey, this is relevant to your conversation and to point the customer in the right direction. It'll probably be another year or so until GPT-5 comes out <laughs> and we'll see what that can do. It'll get there. It'll get there. Everyone forgets. We're, like, we're still in like, heard someone say we're in the MySpace page of generative AI. And I think that's very true. I think the whole generate new is risky. And you're a lawyer, so you know this. The last thing you want if you're a big company is to tell someone something that thing ends up being incorrect. And through whatever cost to effect, something happens that wasn't supposed to happen and it leads to liability, legal issues, brand issues. So companies don't want to take that risk yet. They would rather control, okay, this is the source that we want you to use. And this is the right succession of verbs or words we want you to use because sometimes it could be the same info. If you put in the wrong succession of words, you change the whole meaning of the sentence. Because of that, I don't think we're there yet where we would comfortably allow a machine to make its own interpretation of our information and then tell it to other people. It's just like, think politicians, and now we're getting into the election season. Those guys, they have in their cards like talking points, and they stick to those talking points. Like they repeat them multiple times. They don't change the succession of words. They just repeat the talking point like they have it on those cards. I think it's the same for big brands. It's you have specific things that you want your customers to know you about. You got specific processes and standards that you want your customers to be accustomed to, and you don't want to risk having someone or a machine result in those things changing in your customer's perception. Yeah, it's too high risk at this point. And there have been a few blunders that brands have made. And what's interesting is it's not clear, in my opinion, whether these blunders are occurring intentionally by angry users or trolls, or they're just blatant technological failure. Because I think in some of these circumstances, what's happening is people are asking the bots questions they would never ask to a human if they were in an ordinary customer support context. And it's causing, in some instances, inappropriate output. But that's just a uh, risk that's faced and uh, it'll, it'll get better over time.
But Shafiq, thank you for taking this time. This has been a fun conversation, man. I'll, I'll let you get back to your day. But do you have any uh, final thoughts or remarks you want to throw out there before we wrap up? Well, thanks a lot, man. This was awesome. And uh, always open to chatting with you. We always have great conversations and uh, would love to hear more of your insights. I look forward to seeing your posts on LinkedIn as usual and uh, appreciate your time, John. This was awesome. All right, Shafiq. Thank you, man. We'll talk soon.